Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Sharkbot and joined every Friday by my main man, Derek Bell. Find us on youtube.com slash all Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere you get your podcast today. Little offseason headlines, some cornerbacks to talk about, possibly an inside linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And like we did on Wednesday, we're going to go back through Derek Bell's top 10 Steelers of 2023. See, uh, see how that list came to be. It's a, it's a smoky day here in the Berg. I don't know if you guys are getting hit with the Canada fires, but it has taken over the city of Pittsburgh. How you feeling, my friend? Man, it's just business as usual over here. Air quality is terrible, but that's just really just the <laughs> Ohio Valley, honestly. Uh, I'm interested to see how how I hold up on my run later. But you're uh, running overall, outside in this. Yeah. Oh, overall, Dude, it's, like, it's air quality index is like a million. It, they're literally yeah. like, don't even, don't even walk outside. And you're like, yeah, whatever, man. We'll just go for a run. All right. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to mix up my runs and on the treadmill and outside, but I haven't ran outside in the last couple of days. So I, I got to do it today. But no, good overall. I'm excited. It's Friday, ending the week on a high note. Ready to talk some Steelers football. I feel you. I feel you. Did you see my picture today on Twitter? I don't know if you ran past it. I, my day started with a very. Uh, a very strange situation. I'll, I'll try to pull it up for you guys. I woke up, went to go, because I always like drink my coffee on the back porch. Walked outside to not one, not two, but three hawks chilling on my garage, eating another hawk. Just hmm. devouring a hawk, right? Wild situation. That's how my day started. I, I mean, I've never, I've never, I didn't even know that hawks ate other hawks. But here we are, just just chilling, you know. Wow. Yeah, right. What a, what a way to start the weekend. Um, can't say that it was bad though. I was like, I was I actually looked at. It, I was like, well, if this is if we're this excited on a Friday morning, it's only gonna get better. But <laughs> other note, cats can never go outside again, ever. Because one hawk, cool, whatever. Three hawks. I mean, there's a raccoon sitting on my garage that was like watching the whole thing happening. And I was talking to my neighbors. I'm like, dude, he's gotta go, man, because he's he's gonna be next, and that's. Mm-mm. That's a scary thought. Scary thought. Yeah. All right, let, let's uh, let's talk some Steelers football. We'll start with the cornerback room. Boring week. Obviously, we're at that time in the offseason where things are, you know, they're, they're just gonna they're just gonna be pushed to the side, made bigger than they than they usually are. And for the Steelers, it, it's the defensive side of the football that seems to be hammered on the herds. Jason McIntyre, 
I hope I'm saying that last name wrong, right. I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. Pointed out the Steelers cornerback situation as their biggest hole, but also gave an opinion on how they could possibly fix it. Quote, here's a hole, their cornerback situation. Patrick Peterson, who was a fossil at cornerback, and their other guy is a rookie. Then he goes on to say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be, quote unquote, very bad. And then continued, they do have two good corners. Jamal Dean and Carlton Davis, if they sh- if the ship is sinking, are they sellers coming near the trade deadline? This could be a team with some pieces to offload and maybe Pittsburgh goes shopping. There's a possibility the Steelers can add a cornerback later in the season. Let's start. Let's break this down piece by piece. Let's start with the Patrick Peterson being a fossil and Joey Porter Jr. being the only other option. I think people are forgetting about Levi Wallace. You and Steven talked about him last week. Not going anywhere. It doesn't make any sense for him to go anywhere. And and you wrote a piece on him. He's entering his contract year, but he's coming off a career best season. Do you look at this and are you as concerned as with the cornerback room as you know this guy is with fossil Patrick Peterson? I mean, Peterson is definitely old in terms of cornerback years in the NFL, but I think if, if you look at Peterson's film last season, it shows a player that still has a little bit left in the tank. I don't think that. Peterson is necessarily the CB1, the shadow cornerback that he was in the past, like back in his day with um, the Arizona Cardinals. But Peterson can still play a little bit. Now, is his speed, has he lost a step? Yeah, he's lost yeah. a step. It, it, but it happened when you're you know 33 years old. But I think Peterson can be serviceable. It sounds like they're going to move him around a little bit more. I'm interested to see how his football IQ, his intelligence, you know, shows up in that regard, getting to move around to different alignments in this defense. Levi Wallace, I think you know what you're going to get there. Levi's a pretty solid player, unspectacular, but, you know, the ball skills have gotten better each and every year. Career had four interceptions last season. You got two exciting rookies, Joy Porter Jr., Corey Trice. We'll see what those guys look like, um, you know, come preseason training camp and stuff like that. I I like Carlton Davis. I like Jamel Dean. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that there's any way in hell that Jamel Dean ends up getting traded. He just signed a contract. I don't oh, know good. really where that's coming from, but I know the Bucks may deem one of the higher paid players at his position. I think relatively recently, either this year or last year, Davis is a little more believable because he only has two years left on his deal. Uh, he's a top 10 paid corner in the league. His cap hit for this season is only around 7 million, but next year it jumps to 20 million. You know, he's only 27 years old. So it kind of depends on the Bucks. Do they think he's a part of that future going forward? They do save a little bit of money if they trade him um, at the trade deadline, but there's a lot of speculation there. I like Carlton Davis and Dean. Like I said, both both of those guys are capable of playing in press, um, long, big corners, but I just don't really see a uh, – that's a wild kind of take for me. I mean, just <laughs> in general. Here's the deal, too. If, if they're making a trade at the trade deadline, that means that the Bucks are bad and the Steelers are good. In order for the Steelers to be – we'll say buyers at the trade deadline to the point where they want to make a splash trade like that. They'd have to be really good. I mean, we're talking like first in the division of the AFC North. And if you're first in the division, AFC North, that probably means your secondary is playing pretty well. That's what I'm saying. Like, and at that point you have to see one of two, like the Steelers, it would make more sense if we were going to, I mean, it doesn't make any sense either way, but if we were going to talk, this is a trade right now, then you look at that situation and you go, yeah, you know, if they're not totally sold on Joey Porter Jr. being a starter right now, it makes a little bit of sense. Also, uh, Dean's contract started this season. 
So he's set to not make, get he, traded. Yeah, no, he's got a dead <laughs> cap hit at $21.5 million. <laughs> so yeah. he's not going anywhere. Um, but you look at if it was right now, you could say you could make the excuse of, oh, maybe Joey Porter Jr. isn't ready to start or play significant minutes. And at that point, are you going to rely on a 32 year old Patrick Peterson at all times on the outside? Probably not going to happen. But to come week eight, just like you said, like at that point, it, one of two things. Maybe they are really good and their secondary is just that bad. Joey Porter Jr. isn't isn't working out right now. Levi Wallace took a took a step backwards. Maybe Patrick Peterson, Father Time catches up to him. I could see all those things happening. But you have to be the rest of your team has to be like ready to make a run if you're going to make that move. And because it, it's not a small, it's not a William Jackson type of move. It's not a. I mean, a Chase Claypool worked out in their favor, but even that one was more of a. You know, it's it wasn't really a move the needle type of situation. You may you go out and you get one of these two guys like that's your cornerback one for the foreseeable future where Joey Porter Jr. will be your CB2. And then you hope Corey Trice turns into something. But you've pretty much jumped ship on your plan, your initial plan. And I just don't think that that makes much sense later or right now. 26 years old, like I could see it. I could see where people are coming from. But I just think that if you look at the Steelers cornerback room right now, if Joey Porter Jr. does work out, perfect. Cornerback one moving forward. If Levi Wallace has a good year, I mean, in my opinion, I think you extend him. I don't think he's going to be worth a ton of money. And even if he hits the free agency market, like he's not a guy that you'd go out and be like, oh, that guy's going to make, you know, 15 to $20 million next season. That's just not going to happen. So you extend him and then you hope that Corey Trice turns into something you hope that Elijah Riley Shannon Sullivan James Pierre I guess I think Luke Barku is a name to watch that could turn into something for this team but I just think that there's too many pieces of what if for you to be you know they're too early in the process to say yeah let's jump ship right now yeah I want to see I'm interested to see how this cornerback room plays out I've I've said this several times but I think that this is the most excited that I've been about the potential depth in the room yeah in in quite a while and that's just because they actually invested in the position more than they have in a really long time in the offseason so yeah I mean I think some of the concerns of Peterson's age could be valid we'll we'll have to see what they're asking him to do and that's that's a really big thing to to watch if you look at what he was asked to do in minnesota last year compared to what he's probably going to be asked to do in pittsburgh scheme it's going to be different but i think that still um i still think that he's got enough left in the tank to where he's at least going to be serviceable yes Um, and i'm excited about seeing how he's going to be utilized yeah and like the just like you said they've invested you know like you know i'm gonna say it again i think i think luke barku is a name to watch because i think if he works out I mean, you at least have another option. You know what I mean? With limited experience, I get it, but balled out in the XFL. I I mean, I didn't even realize that this guy, I was writing a piece on him this morning. I didn't realize that his really only season of Division I college football where he played defense, he had nine interceptions. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty impressive. You know, comes in here. He had pick six on Mitch Trubisky, a couple pass breakups. You know, like he's he's a named, he's, he's that early impressor. I would say. So I just don't think I think if we're going to freak out right now about the about any any position on the Steelers, it's probably not corner. But again, you know, that could just like you said, that could change. That could change. Do you expect I think the expectation right now before we move on is Patrick Peterson to start on the outside and move to the inside? Do you still hold that? Do you think the safety thing is come and gone? Like, where do you see the cornerback room shaking out for week one? I don't really know. I mean, I want to see it from my own two eyes because I've 
said that I think that that's the biggest question mark in terms of who's playing in the slot, you know, early down slot and on run rundowns and then, you know, their passing slot nickel on passing down. So I think it'll be different. Um, I do think that Peterson probably will have the chance to place inside some, whether it be the nickel or the dime and take Cam Sutton's old spot in that package. Um, I do think that when they're in base, like they're base three, four, I think that Peterson will be starting on, on the outside with Levi Wallace when the season opens. Now, depending on how Joey Porter Jr. plays, not just in the preseason, but when they go to nickel and Peterson kicks inside and, you know, Joey Porter Jr. gets a chance to play outside with those guys, depending on how he plays, he could push himself into the lineup, which would, you know, I think that's a best-case scenario type thing for the Steelers in the long run because you want him to be not just good enough to contribute this year, but, you know, good enough to stay on the field and get that experience, which is going to be really invaluable for him moving forward. So yeah. I'm excited to see how it plays out. Um, but I think training camp will give us a good indicator and barometer of kind of what the Steelers are thinking in terms of uh, which packages and which, you know, personnel groupings for um, the down and distance. Yeah, I agree. And I think another name to watch in that situation is Keanu Neal. I expect him to move a little, around a little bit. Dimebacker would be... Mm-hmm. Good move for that. That's a big dimebacker. That's as big as it gets for a dimebacker. That's pretty much it's like Ryan Chazier walking out there, but more athletic somehow. Yeah, I think that's a name to watch, but I agree. I think that once training camp starts, we'll see an early glimpse, and then we'll also see the options, which I think is huge. Like, we're going to see who, because you can't just, Patrick Peterson, like we keep saying, he's old. You know, he's not a fossil, but he's an old. And you can't keep him out on the field every snap of a game. It's not going to happen, and it's not going to last for 17 games. So you have to find other ways to get him off the field. And I think that's also where I'm very interested in. Did you see, uh, Pat, you probably haven't because you're sleeping up until this this podcast, but Pat Fryermuth went on uh, Pardon My Take yesterday from tight end. You predicted the Steelers go 16-1. and one. Uh, Could definitely see that happening. It wasn't serious. It was like a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. But, <laughs> I like that, though. <laughs> Me too. I was like, oh, there it is. That's uh, Everybody should guarantee a 16-1. and one. I like how it was 16. It was initially 16-0. and 0, Then you remember that there's 17 weeks in the season, so... <laughs> that's funny you know 16 and one all right let's talk inside linebackers now uh pff continues to hammer that the pittsburgh steelers need an inside linebacker they recently signed nick kwiatkowski i'm gonna guess on that name until i talk to him in person and get exactly how to say that but they came back and in a recent article wrote once again that the steelers should go out and sign a former first round pick Rashawn evans Quote, we haven't changed our answer here after the Steelers addressed almost every weakness from a starter and depth standpoint throughout this offseason. Another piece at off-ball linebacker is the one final move that makes a lot of sense. The Steelers have rotated through a handful of former highly drafted off-ball linebackers over the past few seasons and follow a similar idea here with the 2018 first-rounder. Evans is coming off a career highs with the 1,104 snaps, 46 defensive snaps, and 110 tackles while missing only 7.3% of his opportunities. I think Evans is one of two inside linebackers that I think makes sense for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I don't know if he's the top choice, and I also don't know if you're going to go out and get a guy that high of a caliber to kind of come in here and be a role piece pretty deep on the depth chart, right? Yeah, I think that... In terms of the linebacker room, I, I actually do think that the Steelers potentially aren't done adding to that, um, adding to that position group. I, I like the, I like the 
potential of doing so. I don't know yep. about Evans is a run stopper, right? Like he he's not productive at all or useful at all really in coverage. So do the Steelers already have that type of linebacker? I think that Landon Roberts is the same kind of downhill thumper type. They've already brought him in. I think Mark Robinson, depending on what the team thinks of him, I think that he also fits that kind of arch type as well. So would Evans be repetitive? I think if you're going to go out and get an inside linebacker, you may be better served to get someone who actually excels in coverage yep. because they really don't have that type of player right now. So, yep. you know, I think that they're they're hoping that Kohokum is that guy that can play, you know, all three downs, 90-something percent of snaps. That's why he got the three-year deal. But I think if you're going to compliment him with somebody, that may be worth looking into. But the the market's pretty thin, man. When I'm looking around here, I'm not seeing a whole lot of guys just kind of hanging out in free agency that I'm really excited me, about, even though the free agency class was really good in the offseason. But I mean, me Evans out was, a name. Deion Jones. I've seen people say Deion Jones. I, I was looking at um, I was looking at uh, Nick Fairball. He posted some stuff about Deion Jones early in the offseason. He's he was saying that he um. He looked like he still had something left in the tank after he got traded to Cleveland last year. I know Deion Jones has always been a really athletic guy. I know that he, you know, kind of fell out of favor in Atlanta. They elected to go with some younger pieces, but I would need to watch the tape to really see on him because I, I honestly didn't watch didn't watch him enough last year to say for sure one way or another. But I mean, Evans was I think twentieth in terms of run stops last year overall among That's linebackers. I mean, he. Uh, he he was really he was really productive last year, so I think it's he's a situational piece. He's not a complete linebacker by any means, but it really just depends on you know what what kind of player do they want to add to the room. I think that they've sniffed around on enough pieces to where I think that they could definitely still be in the market depending on what training camp looks like. Yeah, I agree. I I think I wrote about possibly Reuben Foster the other day and my thought there was last year they brought seven inside linebackers to training camp the year before that they brought eight inside linebackers to training camp this year it's six and it's like barely six because they just signed somebody after mini camp and last it just last year there were I don't want to say better options but you looked at the room and like the worst case scenario was like Ulysses Gilbert and you saw it uh, he's not going to make the roster, but this guy is a guy who's been on the roster the last two seasons. This year, it's like there's there's nobody, there's no competition. There's no real competition, I would say, for the end of that. And I like Rashawn Evans, but at the same time, like, it, where are you going? Like, what's your plan? Is your plan for Mark Robinson to be knocked down to the fourth inside linebacker? Is your plan for Evans to come in here and be the fourth inside linebacker? Is that just going to be an open competition to see what's going on? Because I just feel like you're playing a fine line with your development of Mark Robinson. And I think that they like him enough where they want him to be involved. But at the same time, are you going to just like avoid competition then to say, oh, well, we'll, we'll just go out and get another, you know, very low ball inside linebacker that really isn't going to contribute much because we're just nervous that somebody's going to come in here and be better than Mark Robinson. I, I just don't know if that's their train yeah. of thought or even if that's how they should approach it. Yeah. I think when you look at Robinson, you know, the limited film that he put on last season, I think you see a guy who plays downhill. He plays with that violence, that physicality, especially against the run. I think that his work as a cover guy is completely unknown at this point. Yeah. I think that there's some concerns about, you know, how his athleticism or how he's going to play in space, space, which is valid. I think one of the things with Robinson is getting him to still play 
fast but under control you know missed tackles were a little bit of a problem last season particularly in the preseason and regular season you know he he had some big missed tackles up specifically in that Cleveland game to end the season that it actually ended up looking like it got him benched so I don't know how they feel about him you know Robinson I'm always skeptical of you know pushing for guys that are six seventh round picks even if I do like what I've seen from them just because those guys just are always on a shorter leash you know, they just don't have the same leeway as like some other guys do. So yep. I'm interested to see, you know, where he slots in in the preseason, where he's improved. But I, I don't I definitely don't want to close the door on them potentially adding to the inside linebacker room. But if I if it was me, I would prefer to get somebody who's a little more versatile in coverage than a guy like Rashawn Evans. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Even even if it is more of a super I don't want to say a superstar, but even if it is a bigger name, I agree. I think it should be somebody in coverage because Cole Holcomb, I think, is viewed right now just like you said is that three down off ball linebacker like he's the guy but you don't know what he's going to be after a foot injury you don't know if Landon Roberts is going to be able to pick up the slack you don't know if anybody's going to be healthy all season long and it kind of just feels like after Holcomb it's a Landon Roberts who's you know his talent is fits this mold right here and then Mark Robinson fits this mold right here and then it's you know Chappelle Russell who fits this mold right here and Kwiatkowski who it's this mold right here. You know, it's a lot of the same guys. You need to switch it up. I think the problem there, like you said, is that, you know, it's kind of slim pickings at this point. I don't know how you go about that situation without going to get somebody who might just be a sleeper, but maybe that's what they find. You know, I think that's what they, they went out and did last year. You think there's any chance, and this is a name that maybe fans don't want to hear, but you think there's any chance they give uh, Marcus Allen a call and say, hey, come on back here, buddy. I mean, that would only be for special teams related, <laughs> I guess. But I, I think that while the market doesn't look the greatest right now, I think that there's a there's a definite chance that they could maybe scoop somebody up after veteran cuts, you know, in the preseason. You know, we see yeah. we see a couple of surprising names, you know, happen around that type of uh, the time of year. You know, they traded for Joe Schobert around that that same time a couple of years True. back that necessarily didn't work out in their favor. But, you know, I definitely think that that's – there's potential there. You know, when rookies play well in the preseason, sometimes they will push out veterans that are more expensive and things like that. Uh, sometimes you can get those guys for, you know, pennies on the dollar, what, whether it be a trade for some day three capital. And the Steelers aren't going to turn their nose up at that, I don't think. It's got to be the right set of players. I mean, I, I yeah. don't I don't love what they have in the inside linebacker room right now, if I'm being completely honest. I just – I don't think – I don't know that a player like Rashawn Evans is exactly what they need. Yep. I agree. I agree. And a uh, preseason trade would be the Joe Sherbert trade happened like 20 minutes before kickoff. So, you know, yeah, it was, it was close. <laughs> so, you know, you never know. You never know walking in, especially with Omar Khan chilling there. All right. Last thing I want to talk about here. Your uh, you dropped a, a very uh, interesting big list about the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2023. Your top 10 guys for the upcoming season. Just for those of you who who missed it, as me and Steven went over it the other day, Najee Harris sits there at 10, George Pickens 9, Isaac Siamalu at 8, James Daniels 7, Pat Fryermuth 6, Alex Highsmith 5, Deontay Johnson, Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, and TJ Watt round out the list here. My biggest thing, this was my biggest takeaway from this entire list. I think the only critique that I had, and I don't even know if it was a critique, the Alex Highsmith, Deontay Johnson ranking, very interesting, my friend. Very interesting. I think a lot of people, a lot of Steelers fans might not like that one, but 
I want to know your how did that come? How did that come about? That was a tough one for me. I, the two that really I felt like I struggled with the most was ranking Johnson and Highsmith, and then ranking um, Sam Allo and Daniels. So yeah. that was that was really rough. I actually went down a little bit of a rabbit hole to watch some more Sam Allo film to see who I thought was better between him and Daniels. But those two were the closest things for me. I felt like everything else was easy up top. You know, TJ Watt, Minka, Cam Hayward, I felt like those were kind of shoe wins. And when I was putting together the list, it took me about 10 seconds to fill those out other than writing just a <laughs> synopsis or analysis below their names. The thing is with me, I think – First off, I think Deontay and Alex Hasmus are really good. <laughs> I really, I really do think they're both really good players. So it's not that there was a huge gap between either guy. It's just I think that I I like what Deontay brings and I value his skill set maybe just a little bit more. I think he's a little bit better of a receiver with a elite trait, whereas I think then Hasmith is as an edge rusher. Okay. Um, but they were relatively close for me. I still think that um, – I think it was interesting when I was filling out the list that six of those players that I put in the top ten were on offense. Yes. That was probably surprising and something that I would not have guessed. But the Steelers are, in my opinion, a little top-heavy on defense. I mean, that's what happens when you have, you know, arguably the best edge rusher. You have arguably the best, you know, free safety in the game. Cam Hayward's still playing at a really high, high level. So – you know, Hasmith was the other guy that kind of I knew was going to fall in the top 10 somewhere. I struggled finding someone else that I felt really good about in that spot. Uh, that's sort of what gave the nod to Harris and Pickens. You know, I wanted to put Pickens there just because I did the list based on, you know, talent and production. And I think Pickens had a really solid rookie season production wise, but I just think he's super talented and the sky's really the limit for him. So that put him over the top I thought that he was a little more consistent week in to week out despite being a younger player and that's why I put him over guys like you know Larry Ogunjobi uh Chuksukora for those yep. were the other names that were kind of like right outside the top 10 for me so who do you um, uh who is your who who is your next who is your who is your 11th Larry O Chooks it would have been I'd have to go back and look at my list I had a handful of like four or five guys but I think with Najee, he's a tough guy to rank, right? Because like yes. we haven't seen, you know, some of these guys. You look at, you know, Alex Hasmith. I do. I I push back really hard about the narrative that he's like a product of the guys that he plays around. But no. I think, you know, Alex Hasmith. When you look at a guy like him and the situation that he's been playing in over the past two seasons, it's it's a pretty good situation. I mean, when you're playing in the front four for all those guys, I mean, for T.J. Watt, even he's in a good situation. This is a good system for him. He plays with good players around him. I think that's a good situation. But you look like Najee. I don't really think that Najee's been blessed with the best situation. And that's why it's hard for me to, you know, think, you know, how to rank him. Because he's been super inefficient, you know. But some of those things, I think, are beyond his control. So, I don't know. He's he's a tough guy to rank. I still believe in the talent, though. Do you have a guy that you think could sneak his way in here? By the end of it, because me, that was my biggest thing is trying to think of guys that I think and it's not necessarily like, oh, I think people are going to make a jump because I think Calvin Austin, Jalen Warren, maybe Allen Robinson, like there are names that could have big years. I think it's more like this top 10 is tough. It's it's tough, top 10 to to crack like if Najee Harris is the end of it and you expect Najee Harris to have his best season yet because he's got his best offensive line. 
George Pickens is only in year two. Like, it's tough to crack this top ten. Yeah, I think, you know, the rookies, um, you know, Porter Jr. and Broderick Jones, those are both really talented guys. But I think that there are things in both of their games that are going to need some refinement. And, you know, the the rookie year could potentially be a little bit bumpy, you know, with, yep. with Porter Jr., you know, really needs to refine his footwork, clean up the false steps. You know, with Broderick really needs to refine his hand placement and pass protection. So those two guys are certainly talented enough to get on this list relatively soon, you know, even maybe as soon as next season. But it would it would definitely be a little surprising if they were able to kind of just make that jump immediately. But we'll see what happens. I think they're both super talented. Um, you know, Larry Ogunjobi is a guy that I think it could possibly crack the top 10 as well. But with Ogunjobi, it's just it's always a matter of, you know, what type of player are you getting week to week? I don't think he's the most consistent of guys on a on a week to week or even snap to snap basis. So he's a tough one, but definitely, you know, talented enough to be on the list. So, yeah, 100%. All right. The biggest name that I think everybody's going to worry about here. How far how how far away from the top 10 is Kenny Pickett? Did you even have the conversation with yourself of is he in an honorable mention? I didn't know it, it wasn't. No, he he really didn't come to my mind when I was talking about that. But how how far do you think he's got to go to get in there to to push the limits of top ten? Uh, I mean, he it would take a sizable jump. I think a year or two to get there. But I, I don't want to put you know necessarily like statistical barriers or anything like that mm-hmm. that he has to clear in order to make the list or whatever. But I think that you know Pickett definitely. You know, if I'll say this, if he gets to the point where he's looked at as one of the best players on not just the offense, but on the team, the Steelers mm-hmm. are going to be in a good situation because I think the roster itself has came a long way. And I think that we talked, Stephen and I talked about this a little bit on Monday, but I think, um, you know, the narrative around the Steelers right now, when you, when it comes to like the AFC North and things like that, I think that the reason the Steelers are often picked to finish last or, you know, not pick to finish first in the division is because I think that if you look at how the media perceives the other quarterbacks in the division, you know, Joe Burrow's looked at as, you know, one of the top guys in the league right now. And, you know, Lamar Jackson has some health concerns, but, you know, he's been one of the top players in the league for a long time. So, and then Deshaun Watson, I think people are still just holding on to what he was in Houston um, and overlooking, you know, what he's been the past couple of years, you know, with the suspension sitting out, whatever. But, you know, if, that's the big question mark. Can Pickett elevate his game to get in the same, you know, breath as some of those AFC quarterbacks? That's that's really I mean, that's that's the number one question, right? Staring the Steelers and yes. you know, the entire city in the face. I mean, if you're gonna go to the playoffs and you're gonna hopefully compete for Super Bowls and you know, play deep into January, February, you gotta have a good quarterback. And it, yep. it's not you know, in the AFC, you know, solid or average might not even be good enough because you look at all the just the names that are on this in this conference, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, you know, I already talked about Burrow, Jackson, guys like that. I mean, there's there's a ton of incredible talent in the conference. So um, I'm excited to see what what Pickett, um, what, what he does this season, you know, where he improves. But no, nah, he wasn't a guy that really I, I consider too, too much for the list right now. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he was he was anywhere near the top 10, but I agree 100% what you're saying. That was my thought, too, is like Pickett has the easiest route, in my opinion, to crack the top 10 by next season because the Steelers' fate heavily relies on 
how good Kenny Pickett is. And, and we'll see that in training camp. Like, I don't want to put – I'm holding off on putting anything out there with Kenny Pickett right now because – in the words of Mike Tomlin, everybody should look good in minicamp. And if you don't look good in minicamp, there's a problem. So, you know, talking about Kenny Pickett's year two jump before anybody puts pads on is a totally different situation. You know, there's going to be pressure at training camp. That's real, real action going on there. The preseason will tell a different story. We'll, we'll know more as, you know, things start to heat up. Um, but I, I agree. I think the easiest route there is is Kenny Pickett. Do you want to, uh, you want to address Carl here? I just, I don't, I don't understand y'all, man. <laughs> there's a whole, there, there's a whole conversation going on, which I got to give Carl, Carl props. He did. He did come back with this one. You know? Yeah. 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 I ain't trying to come at Carl's neck or anything like that. I just, I don't, I don't get why y'all don't like Deontay, man. I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand it. It's so funny to me. Cause I, I have these conversations, you know, obviously have a, um, obviously have a, YouTube channel that's specifically dedicated to breaking down film. And there's a lot of uh, people that I follow on Twitter that, you know, do similar things, whether it be for different teams or they do more national kind of stuff. And it's so funny because I get these DMS all the time about, you know, how good Deontay is. And it's so funny because, you know, all these other people around the league or that, that really watch ball, they like Deontay. They think he's really good. And then I, I have to tell people all the time, like Steeler fans hate Deontay. They, they just hate don't him. get it. Hate it's him. so funny. There's a guy, there's a guy I want to shout him out. James Foster, who does stuff for A to Z and um, he does incredible work, but he DM me the other day and was telling me, said, can you tell Matt Canada that Deontay can run more routes than just curl routes? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll get, I'll get right on that, bro. But he was, you know, we we're talking and, you know, again, he's another guy that thinks that, you know, Deontay is a really, really good player. So I don't I don't know. I don't know why y'all don't like him, man. I, I just he, it's, especially because he's not even he's the least. Contra- I know he's controversial within the fan base, but in terms of in terms of wide but in, receiver, but in terms of his personality, he's the least. You know, he he will throw his hands up after the play if he's he's wide open, which is a lot. and He doesn't get the football. But, you know, he's a really soft-spoken dude. I mean, you talk to him all the time. He, he doesn't – he's not a man of many words. He keeps to himself. I don't, I don't know. I just yeah. – I don't get why y'all don't like him, man. That's all I'm saying. I, I just <laughs> – uh, I did want to answer this too because uh, uh, Boswell. Yeah. I didn't think about Boz. So, I'm not – he's probably – he's – I don't know. He, he wasn't that great last year, to be honest with you. Um, but – he would have probably been close to the top 10. I would have at least considered him had I thought about him. I just didn't include specialist. So that's, that's, I'd say he's close to the top 10, but also, you know, hit or miss last year, hit or miss. It's yeah. He the, does this thing. He does this thing where he's incredible yep. for a couple of years and then he has, and then like he gets a, a new contract. Year. Yeah. That's it. It's always <laughs> yeah. lines up with them. He is a wide receiver in a kicker's body. Like, you know what I mean? There was always the narrative yeah. of when a wideout gets paid, he stinks. Every time Chris Boswell gets paid, he stinks. And then he's and then he's phenomenal again. So this year will be like him yeah, cracking Boz, the top Boz 10. Boz is a good kicker, man. He's a good He's kicker. a great kicker. He's a, he might be like the third best kicker, maybe like, you know, top three, top four best kickers in the NFL when he's hot. You know, it's just it's those years. But then I'm telling like this year, he'll crack the top 10 easy because it's the year after the contract, which is the wild year, wild year. But I agree with you on the, the DJ stuff. Um, I will say this, though. We have hit a point where I start to I'm starting to understand the drop issues and the the like, you know, at first I was a defender of them and said, eh, you know, this this will be cleared up. We've hit a point where it's got it's got to stop. Like it's got to. Here's, here's the thing with me for the drops. I think the drops are 
because of twenty how how bad twenty twenty was with the yeah. drops with him dropping fifteen balls. I think that that's just ingrained in people's heads. Yes, uh, agree how, with that. Of how frustrating that is, and and like I said, I think that DJ can be Deontay can be frustrating because you know the hands and the overall consistency. You know, he does have he'll have a game where he you know is really frustrating to watch. You know, but I think for me, honestly, and this is going to sound like crazy to y'all, but, you know, you look at the drop percentage the past two seasons, 6.7, 8.5, according to Pro Football Focus, that's that's good. That's right in line with what other wide receiver ones are doing. I mean, the drops to me, statistically, the, I, I think that that's just overblown. What drives me insane about Deontay is the false star penalties. That yes. y'all, y'all, hate the, y'all hate the drops, but I just think that they he's targeted so much you're going to any guy that's going to get targeted 130 140 times you're going to have seven or eight drops and if if that happens it's completely fine that's why to me it doesn't really matter but or doesn't matter as much as you guys think so the false starts to me is what drives me insane because yes. I, I just think back to like when i played you know how how often you know receivers coaches would talk about watching the football and there's never ever 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 a reason to get a false start penalty as a receiver and it seems like every year he's getting five, six false starts. So that stuff drives me insane. So I agree. I agree. I agree. The false starts are a little, the running backwards. There's a couple, but at the, in the long run, like I think the gap between him and everybody else is just in Pittsburgh is so significant. Like I think George Pickens has the capability the running of being backwards. a star. The running backwards thing is 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 valid, but I also That's think definitely like valid, with but the it's yards also with an offense. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like it's the you're you're given very minimal opportunities to do what you should be able to do. By the end of the season, all he heard from everybody in the world was how this guy didn't t- catch a touchdown pass and how ridiculous it was, how he's terrible because he can't catch touchdowns, which weren't his fault. I mean, two of them were his fault, but the rest of them were not his fault. And so at that point, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'd be running backwards too. Like I'd be, you know, the, you know, I used to catch punts and Madden and then you just run down one sideline, turn around, move <laughs> around. That, that would be me if I was Deontay Johnson last season. Y'all are saying um, we, we think a lot about the drops because they're game changers. What drop did he have last year? That was a game changer. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just genuinely like what, what Even drop Donnie's are we talking about? Here. Look at this. Even Donnie's coming in with the, <laughs> the jabs for the key moments. What are we doing here? I mean, there's there's probably something there. I just I'm yeah. There's definitely at least a moment, no doubt. But I think that everybody again they cling on to the you know the Kansas City game, which was not like you know yeah yeah Yeah. no doubt I I agree (laughs) he he wasn't good in that game (laughs) yeah 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 but that's what I'm saying like I think that it's like and there will be times there will be times where you know like I said he does have lapses in terms of overall performance I, I just think you know that that's that's tough. I mean, I think, and again, I'm not going to go like full, full on, you know, defending them, whatever. I just think that the narrative sometimes that y'all push isn't really, I just don't, I I just think it's not rooted in actual facts. I think, like I said, the drop percentage thing, if you look at it against other wide receiver ones, it's, it's not the issue that you guys think it is. And like, people are saying just drive killers. How many other players killed drives last year? I mean, I I watched. Pat Fryermuth kill drives with penalties or, you know, missing blocking assignments. I watched Pickett throw poor interceptions, you know, earlier in the season, particularly. Yes. Or really yeah, bad I just, balls. I, I just think that maybe it's to me, maybe it's just you see DJ get a target and, you know, it clangs off his hands or whatever, or he has a false start, which is really frustrating to me 
maybe we just see those and it gets magnified because, you know, he's he's paid a little bit more now and we kind of expect him to be that true wide receiver one. But I don't know. I just think I just think a lot of it, man, is just some old narratives or some narratives that are being pushed by some people that maybe, I don't know, maybe y'all should be listening to. But it's just no, I, I agree. I agree. That's, that's how I've, I felt the same way. You know what I mean? I, again, like it's, you know, I think DJ is a wide receiver one. I think he's always been. Well, the, the last thing too, I'm going to say about him is, and then we can move on, but well, uh, you know, if Deontay was playing with, Patrick Mahomes or Justin. Oh, Herbert. it'd be ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> like, I'm not a quarterback. To... A quarterback. You got to think that his best quarterback he's ever played with was Ben Roethlisberger behind the worst offensive line in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Yeah. That's, I mean, this dude has been has been playing in an absolute dumpster fire of an offense since he was drafted. And that that's it's just tough. It's just really tough. I think uh I, I think if he was a guy, you know, to me, Deontay's probably in that top 15-ish wide receiver range uh, across the NFL if I had to really rank her, rank them. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if, if we're talking about giving this guy to Mahomes or Herbert or even Burrow, like, we would be singing a lot different of a tune, I could tell you that. But Oh, my gosh, yeah. Oh, my. I think about that. I try to make that argument constantly, you know? Like, if could you imagine what – Deontay Johnson does with a quarterback, a real one, and a real offensive coordinator who draws them open. Like he's the most open wide receiver in football with an offensive coordinator who can't draw passing plays. Think yeah. about that. I just <laughs> I just think like if people really if people really watched him on a snap to snap basis, you know what I'm saying? If people really watched him on a snap to snap basis and the way that he's used, you know, on the backside of the formation, three by ones, you know, and the way that he can separate against some of the top DBs, you know. And he's always consistently drawing the top, you know, the top guys on the outside. You know, he's not it's not like, you know, it's not like Canada or any coordinator that we've had here is putting him in stacks and getting him free releases. And they're doing a bunch of switch stuff. And, you know, he's getting force fed targets on screens and yak plays underneath. And it's just fake production. You know, all of his production is is really generated by him. You know what I'm saying? So. It it is what it is, man. I I hope he has a has a good season. I think you know if he if he's um if he has a good season, the Steelers' offense is going to be really good. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. Real good, and you best believe we'll be on here bragging about it. No doubt about yeah. it. <laughs> All right, yeah. with that, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash All Steelers Talk. Hit that like button and find us anywhere that you get your podcasts. I will be back on Monday. With Stephen, I almost said Derek. Derek's sitting right here next to me. Make sure to check out my all of mine and Derek's work at allsteelers.com. Enjoy a smoky but a beautiful weekend in the Berg. Peace. <laughs>